Welcome to Ready Layer One. It's a crypto podcast that focuses on the Near ecosystem. This is our weekly roundup of all the news and events that happened on the Near ecosystem. Now, it was normally called Who Sharded, but we might have to change the name because we keep getting flagged for profanity, even though I've appealed it multiple times. Right. This is bonkers. But uh, so in the meantime, Joe, we will think about that name, but it's a, a weekly update. So yes. Uh, and this week, uh, some of the topics we're going to be talking about shortly. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about um, some cool stuff coming out of Mintbase, um, some different you know protocols showing up, uh, and then you know continuing the conversation with stable coins. Uh, we get a little bit deeper into both USN and USDC. Yeah, so we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah. All right, so Joe, something I've been noticing that's been happening in Near is a lot of wallets, right? So there's a whole lot yeah. of wallets coming down the pipeline. Before we jump into all the news on the wallets this week, I have a question for you. Are wallets like a, a a security risk, right? Like if there's 30 wallets or 20 wallets or 10 wallets, how does a user determine which wallet to use? And is it yeah. makes sense to use different wallets? Like I'm trying to wrap my head around like which one and how big of a security risk. Great question. So uh, let's look at it kind of two different ways. So one, one way is that... Uh, you know, the way wallets work on most chains, but we're going to talk about near specifically. So uh, I have my seed phrase or I have my private key and I can take that from wallet to wallet to wallet. So all of that key is right. Like that key just says I have access to whatever is tied to that wallet name. And so I can jump between and that's actually a misconception sometimes. Sometimes people feel like, oh, oh. I only have a web wallet with, you know, wallet.near. Now, if I go to, let's say, uh, Meteor or whatever else, I have to do a new wallet. No, like so, you can bring your keys. Okay. So is it more like, okay, your your information, the stuff you have is like in here. It's yeah. like a bag of a bag of information and you can look into that bag using the wallets. That's yes. a horrible analogy. But <laughs> yes. yeah. you know, I'm trying to think like a mag. It's like the, uh, yeah, well, gosh, yeah, I'm leaving that in. It's such a bad <laughs> analogy. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you get your bag, you get your bag of stuff, your bag of bags. Right. And I'm going to go. And so, yes, you, you, it's just an access key. Right. Okay. And, and however you choose to view it is going to be, is going to vary. Now, the, the challenge thing, though, is uh, the security, though, is not going to be equal. Right. So a couple different things that maybe come up. Right. Like when I let we'll use a real example. Soul. Okay, so there was that hack a little bit ago with Slope, the Slope wallet. And so, again, people who created their initial keys on Slope, they were affected, even if they were using, let's say, Phantom mm -hmm. or Soulflare, because the original place that made the keys were, were compromised. So their keys were compromised. Okay. So that's one issue. So it didn't matter where they were. Those keys were already compromised. Oh. The other way can happen, too. Or maybe my keys are not compromised, but let's say a particular wallet might be. So, you know, wallet XYZ is compromised. I put my keys into that. Now, you know, my stuff is at risk. And so that so, can happen on near, right? Like if one of these wallets compromises your keys, it doesn't matter which wallet you're on because it's the same key. Exactly. Right. Right. So, well, right. So it, it would affect your funds. Okay. Now, this does not, again, if you have a ledger, it doesn't affect that. So, right. So if you're using your ledger, it's still your ledger still has to sign everything. So mm -hmm. there is some safety there. But let's say for like your, you know, like your everyday hot wallet that you're putting some basic stuff in for NFTs or whatever else. Yeah, like that's still a, a risk. 
And as some of these wallets still have not necessarily been audited all the way through or just recently, you know, you have to be careful. And so as you try new wallets, you should never use your main account. You know, you should always probably use an account that you are okay if, and we'll say okay as best as possible, if you were to lose everything out of it, um, just in case. And just watch what other people are saying as they're using these different wallets. But yeah, you have to be careful of how you do that. But you can jump from wallet. You could essentially have 15 near wallets in your browser on your phone without issue. So all, all looking at the same bag. All, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll save in the same bag. 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the like the best advice would just be to have like maybe one wallet. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what, like just a your bag hmm? protected by a ledger. That's like yes. your main stuff. Maybe your yeah, NFTs you, you, yes. and your your staking near your high That's value that. stuff should absolutely be tied to that, the ledger. Yes, and then you might have other bags, and you can move stuff around. And you could, you know, put some here for a mint. Put some here, you know, you're going to stake some NFTs. Put those in yeah. a different wallet, it's or put those bag, in a different yeah. bag, and then you can <laughs> use any bags. wallet. Man, <laughs> right. I got to think of a better analogy. It'll come to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm starting to see. Okay, so th- with that being said, there's some wallet news this week on here. Yes. Now. Dojo, which is from Kazu Fighters, right? Correct. Making a wallet. Yes. So excited to see I've seen some like stuff online. It looks it looks nice. Uh he's doing something now that like I, we need to look into deeper. I want to like caveat this. So so near starter is something that I've been seeing around now that's I, I, I don't even know how to fully explain it, but there is one part of it that's got an incubator. It sounds mm-hmm. like yeah. I think Dojo Wallet has partnered with them. That's some news this week. Yes. Now for your listeners, I do think that you know, Joe and I, we should try to maybe get on a podcast or something when you're started because I don't fully understand what that all is. So before, you know, we're just saying that this is the news happening. Yeah, I mean, it would be even good to, to get the Kaizo team, you know, maybe even on and just to talk a little bit about um, what they're doing. Yeah. It, it, exactly. So that was some like wallet news, which is always cool. And there was more yep. wallet news this week. There was another one. So Metapool natively integrated into NearFi wallet. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So now, okay. So is this where these wallets are going to start going? Like each wallet's going to maybe have like a proposition value. Like if you're heavily invested in Metapool, it probably makes sense to do NearFi since you can do it all in your wallet from there and you don't even have to leave it. Well, you're going to see a lot of that early on of, of people trying to get market share and try to do the thing. I think, I don't think that will go that way long-term. You know, you'll start to see some you winners pop out and those winners will eventually have to do some of these integrations. But early on to gain some of that market share, and to drink gain traction, sure, it makes a ton of sense. Like uh, Meteor Wallet was just, uh, which we actually just released a podcast about. They were just announced that they are the first uh, third-party wallet integrated with Paras or Paris, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and that that's you know, so that's like I think like a big step for them, right? So it's another piece of traction. So okay, I'm I'm buying NFTs from Paris, like here I am. So now I can use my Meteor Wallet. Um, uh, that's so, through the wallet selector i believe so gotcha so that's kind of where this is going there's gonna be different wallets all having different propositions and then over time they will sort of we will there yes. will be the phantom wallet or there might be three or four wallets that sort of people lean towards i i would think so you know i mean you could always have you could always have 30 wallets i mean like that doesn't matter really right and so, and again, like if your goal is to have a billion users sure 30 wallets is not that big of a deal no. um it just allows for choice, you know, so it just depends on how well they're maintained. Now it does, I will say that brings up one more security point. As we go on, 
it's important to make sure that the wallet you are using is one that is still actively being worked on. Because as time goes on and some of these start to drop off, people say, ah, it's not worth it. We're not getting enough traction. They will stop developing on it. And as bug fixes need to be introduced, as protocol changes happen, you need to be aware of that so that you are not stuck in a wallet that is no longer supported, that is now maybe vulnerable. So it's something to be aware of as well. Joe, that's really good advice because that's where this does, this starts to get a little bit more complicated. Like, Definitely. Um, so, but what's interesting about Near and what's been happening the last couple like months, but even the last couple of weeks is that a lot of people are going to be using Near without any awareness of it. Yes. And so yeah. Sweat Economy is a perfect example. Huge app, over 100 million users, leveraging Near, doing all the stuff in the background. People are still have a wallet, getting tokens, all sorts of stuff. Yep. But other than like a couple like in the signups agreeing to a wallet, they haven't been really having to deal day to day. So when something mm-hmm. is like that is... What's the wallet they're using there? Or they're not using a wallet. They're just, you know, the app actually holds the keys. Uh, yeah. So essentially it's like a custodial based wallet. So mm-hmm. they are, yeah. So Sweat is essentially holding the wallet for them. Uh, it's not necessarily a particular wallet. So they have access to all of their stuff and they could as, take full ownership over that. Um, I know Sweat has said before, like you can just, eventually take that over and you would then have keys again this is actually a unique proposition of near being able to easily swap out private keys wait so this is really a near thing joe right sorry i'm just like kind of yeah. jamming back and forth today because no, like great. dude i am this is like so i just thought every layer one would want to do this right like the fact that you can do that is so big for onboarding massive projects right it's all done in the right. background then it's like oh like imagine if years ago we had signed up for MySpace, and then when MySpace crashed, they're like, "Oh yeah, no, here, just go here, and you've got all your stuff. It's all yours. You own the rights to right. all your images, songs, pictures, posts." And you're like, "Wait, what? Oh, right. awesome! You take that with you to Facebook, and then Facebook dies, and you're like, I'm going to take that to Twitter or wherever it goes.' You know, right, right, right. Yeah. So that's part of it, you know. And so, like on other chains, you can't just swap out the private key because it becomes a new, essentially a new wallet, right? Like you can't do that. Where near, you can retain the wallet and just swap out the private keys. And so that's the thing too. So like if your wallet ever got, so if your keys ever got compromised, you don't have to get a whole new wallet, especially like, so, you know, let, let's say I have, here, we'll use Ilya's example, right? He has root.near, right? So like he's not going to want to ever change having that address, yeah. right? But if for some reason that account was compromised, he could swap out, you know, those private keys to new private keys and keep going with, without issue and then those keys that were compromised are no longer compromised so see that's that's cool stuff yeah i'm starting to see like a lot of stuff like uh near big brain just did a post with sweat economy and how it's all going with like all this stuff that's just happening in the background and you're starting to see different projects creating this web and it's like you know there was that first round of web stuff where it was like skyward finance ref finance sort of those early day projects right when like after mainnet and these a lot of more DeFi stuff you know things in that range now you're starting to see this next sort of larger projects collecting. Like there's few and far is really starting to take on some NFT. They're partnering with Sweat Economy where they're actually going to launch and everything in the background. And then you're going to be able to mint an NFT on the Sweat Economy app. Right. Right. Like this is all this stuff is like happening where people are going to be interacting with NFTs on near without going to near opening a wallet, uh, buying near transferring near minting, you know, it's like. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Seat Lab, look at Play Ember, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's all these different products that are focusing around that. 
Um, and yeah, I, I think it's and it's a super smart approach to doing that. Yeah, and I think it's the thing that I've, you know, we're in this space heavily, and I didn't even think this was possible. And now that I see it, I'm like, oh, I don't see how a huge shift doesn't happen with tons of projects. Like I, at this point, it's like, why? It just makes it so much easier if it's all done in the background. Yeah, right. That's really cool. Um, let's see what else. Uh, what other kind of news do we have going this week? Oh, Near Week has its validator. And yeah. I like what they're doing with validators. They are doing with validators what I think the future of Near will also be, which is all projects will have a chunk validator or validator, and they will all be kind of, and then that way your supporters can stake with you and help support. It's all really smart. Yeah. We touched on this, I think, a little bit last week, but yeah. now it's it's fully really live. You can stake with them. Um, it's What's really smart about it for me is that as you start to kind of get further into bigger projects and mm -hmm. you need to continually have funding, but yet mm -hmm. you don't have a model to actually bring in revenue just yet. Yeah. It's that it, it helps that transition period when normally companies or projects would have to go raise money. And that, that causes its own issues. Like, you know, and that's a whole other topic of like, oh, I have to go raise money with a VC or whatever else. That, that leads to its own problems. To not have to go through that period and to possibly be self-sustaining while you are looking for a revenue model or maybe never have to get to a separate revenue model is a really interesting thing, not just for like content projects, but for all projects. Yeah, because it's like bootstrapping, but like bootstrapping Web3, right? Where it's like, if you can get a validator spun up, with some funding. Yeah. I mean, people can even fund your validator still owning their tokens, just giving you the rewards. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, it could be passive support from VCs and investors, you know, family members, people, as long, you know, like they could, you know, people instead of doing their first round, like, hi, we want to get 10 people to each give us 10,000 near, we'll stake it and those rewards will be this number and then they'll model it out and be like, we're going to, that'll keep the lights on and the, you know what I mean? Like this will be, and investors aren't losing their money, right? No, like, right? Like their, their money is just being staked. So it, it, it's really, it's a positive for everybody. You know, it, it, yeah, it, it's a really interesting model. Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to see it come together. And you're just starting to like, man, we're so early, but it's starting to like make a lot of sense. And I'm always like, man, how much did they, how much was the near team aware of like, this is the future? Or has it been a, adjusting the whole way? I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Because you saw that uh, they partnered with uh, Google Cloud, right? Near did a, is it Near Foundation partnered with Google Cloud? I'm not really. Yeah. So Near Foundation with Google Cloud. So that's a really interesting thing. So uh, Google Cloud is like, if you if you ever don't know what they are, it's like Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure. It's a, it's a hosting, it's a full service hosting type of provider. Cloud is an aerosol consisting of a visible mass of miniature liquid droplets, Hi, Alexa. frozen crystals, or other oh, particles Google. suspended in the atmosphere. Okay, Google, off. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep this in. You just do okay, Google, and now it's talking. Just what? <laughs> stupid. Anyways, um, so Google is always listening. Google um, Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> So Google Cloud allows you to have that full suite of products. But what they're doing is they're allowing to have certain tiers and integrations where that if you are getting grants through the Near Foundation, stuff like that, like they are probably, I think they're giving you some some free credits towards that. Um, I'm sure there's gonna, they're going to eventually add in some training and things like that. So it's cool. going to be a really interesting partnership. And it's just like phase one of that. But to have that connection is really smart. 
Well, and also this is, let's take, let's put our, like, let's go back in time to 2017. If a chain had announced that they partnered with Google, it would have been like the biggest news. Do you remember that era where everyone's partnering? It's just something, and we're in a bear market and it's like the whole world's in a macro like recession. Yeah, they're like, yeah, sure. nothing. People are like, did yeah. even like, re- I'm like, how is not everyone talking about this? Like, but it's really right. cool. So that, that yeah. was some cool news this week. I thought Definitely. Uh, a lot of other random, but USN, which uh stable coins, so stable coins are man that I don't know what's going on with regulation around stable coins. That's a whole different, that's, that's bigger than my, that's bigger than our podcast. Like that is yeah. a whole different level of conversation. Um, But USN, which is a near native stable coin, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Right. Correct. Um, and yeah, they are. Releasing their 3.0 expected in fall, which is cool. So they're just like, you know, I, I think they've had to actually adjust a couple times because right when they were first going to launch, it was just horrible timing when the whole Lunaterra thing went down. Yeah. So did they change maybe the model of it for the 2.0? And now for the 3.0, yes. they're just doing a couple like fees are in, in USN now instead and things like that. They're just sort of like making it better with each. Yeah, I think that they're fine. I don't know the whole details of like what version 3 is going to look like. But yeah, so like from one to two. It was just a, a complete change in how the stablecoin was backed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if they're going to continue to refine that piece of it, too. But uh, it's it's nice to see that they're actively thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And so we're having multiple updates within a short time span. Yeah, that and, you know, that's like just such an interesting... Like, I don't know too much about stablecoins. I don't want to go too deep in them. I just know that, like, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with them. And I... I, I get there. I'm like, oh, they're maybe the worst place to be, like, narrative wise. Yeah. <laughs> but if USN works really well, I don't. You know, it, I was. I would love to interview them too, just to talk about like this the theory behind a stablecoin. Like, I've listened to podcasts where like people talk about stablecoins, but like, what backs it? How does it not tilt? How does it? How do you keep it pegged? Like, all these things are like pretty wild. And also, it unless it's big enough. Like, you know, if you hit critical mass, I think it all starts to make more sense. But when you're getting bigger, I mean, a lot of people out there have like a billion dollars <laughs> and they can you can do a lot of a lot of damage with a billion dollars when some trades. It, yeah, it, it's a challenge uh, overall. And even just some of the philosophy of it, you know, I think people probably feel really mixed. I think there's a lot of strengths in why you want to have some stable coins, especially for certain transactions and things like that to minimize volatility. But then um there's both like the good and bad of it right like so there was a hack last night on the uh binance chain binance smart chain another bridge attack um so shout out to the rainbow bridge that continues to be safe but no right (laughs) it's it's stopped a couple hacks man these bridges oh uh but what came out of the binance one though is so uh tether and uh ustc were able to a circle essentially was able to blacklist those wallets that are part of it. So, you know, the value of that hack dropped considerably because they couldn't they couldn't move the stable coins. Essentially those oh. stable coins get like locked and I think maybe burned or whatever. So there's like so there's like some centralization over that. And there's like good and bad, right? Like so there's good of like, oh, okay, here's a malicious actor. But if they could do it to them, they can do it to anyone and like, you know, where's the line and all those different philosophical things. Right. So it's always interesting when you have uh, an on-chain native stable coin. What does that actually look like? You know, what is their policies around some of that stuff? How do they handle those things? So it's 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 not an easy topic. That seems to be where 
the weaknesses right now in this sort of thread or web of 3.0, you know what I mean? Like this web is being created and it does seem like the bridges, even though like rainbow bridge is one of the safest so far. Yep. It's still like, if you have to leave a chain, yeah, that seems to be like, uh Oh, here we go. You know what I mean? It's like a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Dangerous. Yeah. So continuing, I guess, this stablecoin thing. So uh, Nier has officially partnered with Circle to actually bring USDC native on chain. And so why this is important. So USDC is technically on Nier, but it's really actually kind of like a wrapped token. Mm. So by natively being on there, so now allows developers to actually actively use it, you know, in different transactions and developers can build on top of it you know, and using it. So that, that's a really interesting thing. The more that a stable coin is native on your chain, it gives you different flexibility of how that's then used. Uh, and it's also safer as well. So uh, yeah, I think it's a really great thing. So now um, I, and Circle did this with a bunch of different chains, so not just near. So USDC is really trying to um, play nice with as many chains as possible. Uh, but it's for near itself, it, it's a big deal that, now uh USDC will be native. Joe, let's talk about Mint Base. One of my favorite projects on the air. I mean, the guy who runs it, Nate, is just like off the hook smart. And they're like doing so much stuff on that. Like it it's it's amazing. So what something in the news this week? What did they do? Yeah. So um I, I did a, a couple of posts uh, on Twitter about this. So they have an indexer that uh is really, really interesting that it indexes all of the NFTs across the chain, not just what's happening on Minbase. And so there's other aggregators out there, the people are doing that. So it's not that that part's not necessarily new, but what they're really doing is they're allowing you to then build on top of that in a way that if you wanted to spin up your own market, you could pretty quickly because you could actually leverage that data pretty efficiently. And what it's doing is because it's actually linking back to the marketplace that an nft is being sold on so you essentially could get referral fees um so you essentially can have like oh. a referral store for things so you can actually have a curated type of setup um you know oh, and do that. Like, so you could make a mint based shop if you had a lot if you were like a, a content creator you like pretty much every content creator who's got a following could spin up a mint, mint based shop yeah and sort of do whatever they want with inside it and they could have like six or seven nfts that they really like or like these are the projects that i don't think are rugs yeah. or whatever and if someone goes in there from your shop and buys it you get a you get a referral fee yeah interesting yep. so yeah now, hmm. it's really yeah they're really doing some interesting stuff there and and be, and being able to then have a, a an indexer that has all of this data readily available to you like it really gives you the opportunity to actually get creative with that right it doesn't have to just be like buying and selling it can be curating it can be other stuff it could be monitoring it could be a million things but they're giving you that tool to be able to do that so to follow the theme of like things happening in the background of things right yep. because i think in, in, in crypto we, we we're so early that we're seeing it being built so we're like yep. in the in the house and it's like hey the walls aren't up yet but look there's gonna be walls there someday right so things happening in the background. Okay. Referral shop NFTs. NFTs, yeah. they've just touched the tip of the iceberg on what they can do. They're right. going to start, you can basically make, you can figure out how to tokenize or non-fungible tokenize almost anything. So then in theory, 
could a website just use that all in the background? Like you, you know how like, you know, Amazon web services has referral websites. Can people just sort of leverage this the same way? And oh, yeah. in the background, the only difference is that it's all happening on web three versus web two. Yeah. So let's say, right. Let's, let's say I'm, I'm doing a story about, I don't know, my favorite, I know whatever whatever it might be candy my, bar. My, my favorite candy <laughs> right and I want to connect all of those candy bars to a particular NFT so you can make right? the NFT a coupon basically for a free candy bar well that's yeah so that's almost a separate thing oh okay sorry yeah yeah, yeah yeah but let's say I have a candy bar and I want I'm doing like some listicle right like here's the listicle oh you know okay, let's do sneakers sneakers because okay. you like sneakers <laughs> okay so sneakers right so if I wanted to like match a sneaker pair that I own to a particular NFT that exists already. Right. Mm -hmm. So I say, Oh, okay, here's my black and white sneaker that looks like this Skelly. And I can have that Skelly, you know, on my website now, like on my blog post and someone could click through that and purchase it if it was for sale. And I get the referral fee. And it wouldn't matter what marketplace it's on because the indexer is like, doing everything in the background correct you, you just post that data and then yeah the indexer is, is already telling it where to go like who has it so I, it's through I, apollo it's through paris it's through wherever dude we've we've interviewed nate i've talked to Nate a couple times he's like seriously five years ahead of the curve on stuff it's like think yeah. about what it takes i mean he is on point and, and that's you know and uh in talking to him in person, I mean, that's what he's, you know, when we caught up with him at NearCon is yeah. that it's for the mint base. It's like, how do we make sure that we give the right tools to people yeah. to be able to really expand and think about long-term and decentralize and so, all this. It's like super decentralized, right. which is. Yeah. So that's what these kind of things they're trying to do together here. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think uh, just on a personal point, of view, I think the main way to make web three grow is to give users an ability to make profit by their creativity. Like yeah. how you and I just the last few minutes brainstormed an idea with a sneaker shop. Yeah. Once value could be created by creators and not like projects, projects are different. That takes a lot more That's a, yeah, yeah, teamwork, CTO, you know, it takes a team yeah. when, when a person like you're talking about, who's in say someone who's into makeup or say someone who's into whatever niche they're in can, yep. Yeah start doing this and make profit that's when things i think really take off like like i used in a previous episode when youtube really took off is once the creators can make ad profit then people figured that out 100 percent, yeah and i and that's what i think near has done with its validator structure and stuff and so you're seeing that our projects can gamify it that way like once that gamification whatever i'm sure there's some term in economics for this but like Definitely. that i think is like how you get a, you get exponential growth on any chain right yeah exactly and pace is dope it's really cool what they do. I think it's like one of those things that's going to take a little time because people are like, well, it's not like a marketplace can't flip on it. It's like, that's, that's so small. A, mar yeah. a marketplace is awesome. They're necessary. But Minbase is like. Definitely. It's not just, it's it's not that. It It is one one hundredth that. <laughs> so. Agreed. Agreed. Um, cool. Um, and then you want to, what's, what's the, we want to wrap up with this one last bit right here. I mean, there's a lot that's, a lot is still going on, you know, that's uh, happening, but this is just sort of the, yeah. This, yeah. So the, the Hermes protocol, I guess how you say it right. Or Hermes. I don't know. I don't I guess know. Maybe it's Hermes. Um, so they were part of the, the hackathon in, uh, near they've been building for a little while and, uh, I want to highlight this one because this is an area that I think is super important 
as we look at long-term adoption. What they are building out is a communication notification platform for Web3 based transactions to go back to like people when they're like right now they're leveraging like people's social media, you know, to be able to notify. That is really, really a big deal. I think people uh, have taken for granted how much we get notified nowadays, like on our phone from push notifications, email, SMS, all that stuff. And we don't really have that. That infrastructure is not really in place on Web3. And so these type of protocols that are building out to support that and add that in is a really big deal. Um, I don't know if this becomes the one or the biggest one, whatever else, but this is a big deal. I think that they're building it. It sounds like it's coming along really well. Uh, they got second place, I think, yeah, second place in the Nearcon Hackathon. Uh, so they're, they're doing something right. And these are projects that I'm personally excited about because I, I know the long-term value of these type of things. That's awesome, Joe. I, I like that. I, I really like doing this with you because you've come from the like technical side of the stuff, which is so cool to hear. Like the long, like that's one of those projects, like the long-term value of something like the notification on my phone. You're right. I just get them. I, I get them so much. I turn them off. Right. right, you know? right, right. Um, Joe, it's great talking to you. This All right, good talking to you. We'll see you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. You should not make any decision, financial investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented in this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory.